From the City of Chandler's Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Division, we bring you Conversations. My name is Cece Cantabron. In honor of Black History Month, we present to you an intimate conversation with Mr. Charles Payne. Mr. Payne and his family are a staple Black family in Chandler, and more specifically, residents who first-handedly experienced growth in historic South Chandler, an area deeply rooted with history. As someone who was raised in the same community as Charles, but in a different time period, it brings me great joy to be able to listen to Mr. Payne as he tells his story from his time as a child into adulthood and experiences that ultimately shaped the person he is today. Mr. Payne sits down with Erica Maxwell from the city's Human Relations Commission to share what it was like to grow in an area founded on community, family, and hope. Hello, my name is Erica Maxwell and I'm with the City of Chandler's Human Relations Commission. We are having conversations with historic black families in the city of Chandler, and today's guest is Mr. Charles Payne. Thank you very much, Erica. It's a pleasure to be here, and I appreciate your time. So, so let's start from the beginning as much as possible and give a little timeline about how the Payne family came to be in Chandler, Arizona. Okay. We uh, originated in a small town in East Texas called Suffer Springs, Texas. And uh, my father decided to move himself, my mother, and seven children to Arizona. Uh, he was a sharecropper in Texas, and he was not satisfied with how he was going to feed his seven children. So he decided to move to Arizona. And so my understanding is that they were all put in the back of a, a, a farm truck and the farm truck had a heater in it. And that heater was their, uh, your lifeline for, for heat and, and comfort as they traveled all the way from Texas to Arizona in a, a, a farm truck. Their first stop in Arizona was 11 Mile Corner. I know you've heard that uh, several times. That was kind of the uh, predestination of everyone who was coming to Arizona because it was everyone had been sort of invited to come to Arizona as uh, farmers or, or to be farm help, to harvest uh, cotton, to harvest uh, other uh, produce and, and other supplies, and to do farm labor. Charles mentions 11 Mile Corner. For context, this area was titled that way due to its location being 11 miles to the east of Casa Grande, 11 miles north of Eloy, and 11 miles southwest of Coolidge. And so there were posters and flyers sent out in the communities in uh, Texas. My father picked up one and found out that if he came to Arizona, he could make a good living. And so that was the beginning of his, his interest in coming to Arizona. As my older brother, my brother Coy Payne, tells the story, he said, all he could see was cotton for miles. It was white. That was his first experience of 11 Mile Corner. And so that was kind of the hub for a lot of, uh, of black families. And that's kind of the way a lot of the families came to Arizona because of an invitation to come to pick cotton. The harvests were, were failing in, in, in Texas and, and in the South. 
So this was an opportunity. After we stayed there a year, and from my understanding, there was no schools for the children. And having seven children and no schooling uh, was against my father's main core of, of, of understanding. His whole thing was to get his children educated. Mm -hmm. And so he had to look around and he found a school. He found that Chandler was like the next major city. So Chandler was the place he chose to move into. Some of the families went to Mesa. Some went all the way to the other side of Phoenix and some, some went to Phoenix. There was choices made. So his choice was to come to Chandler so he could still do farm labor. And so here we were in Chandler. We were kind of immigrants. We immigrated from the 11 Mile Corner to Chandler. And our first place that we stopped in Chandler was about maybe 100 yards from here. It was a, an adobe shack with a dirt floor and a tin roof. And that's where we first came to Chandler. And we stayed there the first years of our lives. And that's where I was born in that shack, okay? And it was, uh, it's been torn down, of course. But out of primitive beginnings come some uh, astonishing uh, possibilities. Absolutely. And we're thankful that we came to Chandler. I'm thankful that Dad came to Chandler. And then we moved to the lot next door to the church. The church wasn't here. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, we were one of the first families to move on to Colorado Street. Mm. And so we stayed, Dad built a house. He built his, his own house. It was a huge house, four bedrooms, one and a half baths, large living room, dining room, and kitchen, and a big picture window. He was a handyman, but he had five boys also, or four boys, plus three girls, and they were maturing. And so they all pitched in, mm -hmm. and they built this house. As I said, it was a very large house for that time. And so we ended up with a four bedroom house, which was unheard of for black people. Right. Okay. And then they have one and a half baths and that was in the house. Okay. Mm -hmm. and everybody else's bathrooms were outside. So uh, we were way ahead of the times when dad decided to build a house. Now that brings me to my childhood in Chandler. The, I was the last of nine and it was a really good place to be. I had lots of brothers and sisters. I had five brothers and three sisters. So I had plenty of people to kind of mentor and to, to monitor me. Mm -hmm. And so I was pretty much spoiled. <laughs> and so that's the way that was going anyway. <laughs> but I, had, uh, I was kind of adventurous. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see uh, opportunities and possibilities. So as a little boy of, of last of nine, I just basically visited the, the community. We moved over to the next, as I said, next door. And this street, Colorado, the church moved here shortly after we built our house. And so next door, I had church to go to. This was the center. Mount Olive Baptist Church was the center of the community. And as you can see, it's kind of located in the middle of the community. These four blocks were like the hub of, of the black community. Right. And, and within the four blocks, it was like a village. Everybody was related or relative to each other. And, and within the four blocks, we had our, our preacher, who was named Reverend James. 
an educated man. He was also an educator. He was the uh, geography or history teacher at Chandler Junior High. Mm -hmm. So we had representation for our, our children, our black children had representation. That takes me back to my education starting. I first went to school, it's called Okatia, but some say Goodyear, at the first grade. But there was some things that happened before the first grade. Since we were staying here next door, across the street was a family called uh, uh, the Andersons. And there was Mr. Cy Anderson and Miss Gertrude Anderson. Miss Gertrude was a very active person. She was a busybody. She did not let anything grow up under her. Mm -hmm. And she had this old bucket truck. They had a little, little storefront. Uh, it was just a little candy store mm -hmm. that they put in front of their house. And so she was always going to get groceries and stuff for this little candy store that she had. And doing that, but since she had transportation, she got a job with the school board of hauling the lunch for the children from Chandler High School to Okatia for the black children at Okatia. Right. And so she would take them lunch every day. Mm -hmm. And me being across the street and being an inquisitive little child, I always asked could I go with her. Mm -hmm. And she would ask my mother, can Charles go? She'd say yes. She always said yes. <laughs> anyway, I would go with her to visit the Okatia. And this was before I was even school age. Right. And I would sit in the classes while she was delivering the lunches. Then I would just go sit in the classes and noticing everything that was going on. Mm -hmm. I was very interested and I couldn't wait till I was time for me to go to school. Well, <laughs> that, that kind of led to my next adventure. <laughs> uh, I told my mother I wanted to go to school. Mm -hmm. Well, she went to see the director, which was Reverend James. And she asked him, and he was the preacher here, and he said, I wasn't old enough. Right. Well, that didn't work out. I didn't <laughs> like that figure. And so I kind of raised a little sand, and my mother was, was very adamant about me being ready to go to school. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, Miss Gertrude was already pushing me to go to school. Mm -hmm. And I had already met the teachers. I guess I had impressed them that <laughs> I was ready to go to school. Right. So they allowed me to start the first grade at five years old. Mm -hmm. That was unusual also. Mm -hmm. So I was thankful. I had to work it. Mm -hmm. And so everything turned out well. Uh, at, at Okatia was a very adventurous place. This is where all the black kids went to school. And the, we had a school bus. Our school bus driver was Mr. Mitchell, who was down the street. And it was an old blue school bus. I don't know why it was blue. Everybody else had a yellow school bus. Right. He kept the bus on a lot. Mm -hmm. And every morning, he would come by, he'd set the bus in front of the church. Right. And all the kids would come out of the houses and get into the bus. Mm -hmm. We had, had one bus, okay? So everybody had to get in that bus. And it's a lot of kids were on this street. And he wasn't making but one trip, <laughs> right. okay? It was an average of five to, to nine children in each house, mm -hmm. and I mean a bunch of children. Mm -hmm. So all of the children of all ages from grade one through eight mm -hmm. had to ride that bus. Right. This is in 1953. This is prior to 
the Integration Act. Mm -hmm. All the black children were being bused to Okatia. And I don't know where we sat and how we did it, but <laughs> the little ones sat on lap, laps of the girls and, and so on and so forth. It was an adventure. But that was the way the schools were then. 1954, the uh, Integration Act was passed and the children were now supposed to go into integration right. with the rest of the schools. Mm -hmm. And we did. I went to Wynn School, which is now Salvation Army. And, and along with the uh, Wynn School came our very same teachers that we had at Okatia. Okay. Ms. Robinson and Mrs. Carr, they came also with us. Okay. So that kept everything smooth and, and and everybody felt welcome and comfortable, and it was, it was a, a, a good experience. I find this part of Charles' upbringing so fascinating. As Chandler is developing in many ways, whether it be through land development, population growth, etc., so too is the attitude towards the inclusion of black families. Charles is one of the many minority students who share the same feeling of being seen after schools were desegregated in 1954. And then after went school, we went to... Uh, uh, elementary school, Cleveland Elementary, it was where Center for the Arts is right now. Oh, okay. That would be where, that long building on the side, mm. yeah, that was right. part of, of Cleveland Elementary. Mm. And then I went to Chandler Junior High School, which was maybe a half a mile further to the east, northeast, and then back to high school. I must admit, I was astounded. In those days, when you went to get a job, you were tested. Mm -hmm. They tested you for everything. So I moved from here to Los Angeles, and everywhere I went, I, I applied for a job, and I would be tested. And I would always get a high score. And so I was very, very astounded that I had such intelligence. I, did. I, I would have to attribute that to Chandler's school system. Mm -hmm. and, and I must say this, there was no type of conflict mm -hmm. racially that I noticed at any time. Mm -hmm. There was no negativity. With this uh, whole community, there were so many nuances of it. This street here of Colorado, by having so many children on it, <laughs> I had friends, you know, we all the same age. And, and there was an age set for every age set. You know, if right. you can imagine, right. you didn't have to play with your brother's friends. You didn't have to play with your, your baby sister's friends. Mm -hmm. You had an age set, your own self. And we would always gravitate to each other's age set. We had so much to do. It was no such thing as staying in the house. <laughs> that created an energy of, of being excited or basically resourceful. Mm -hmm. They had a tractor tire store uh, right on the corner of Fry in Arizona, and they would throw away the large uh, used tractor tires. Right. We would get the tractor tires off the alley, and we would bring them down here, and we would get in them <laughs> and roll down the street. <laughs> in the tire. Oh, yeah. That in was tractor. big fun. Oh, yeah. That was, that was all day thing. We yeah. could roll up and down the street all day in a tractor tire. Oh, that was fun. And plus, it was kind of scary. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, tell me about some of the families. There was uh, uh, Mr. Mitchell, which Mr. lived Mitchell, further down. Yes. Uh, but I, I told you about Mr. Sy and, and Miss Gertrude were across the street. They had the little candy store. Mm -hmm. uh, there was uh, Mr. Willie, Mr. Willie Woods. He was like a contractor, just a, a busy man. And he had 
a house full of children. He had about six or seven children. So he would put the boys to work. And when he started them to, to helping him, right. he would invite all the, the community and he would teach us mm. how to do certain things. He would teach us how to cut lumber, mm. how to build a chicken coop. Right. And then he would take us to cotton patches. He was a contractor. So he would take us after school mm. to do cotton chopping, cotton picking, or whatever the need was in the farms. And we would make money like no other child could ever get in their pocket. I mean, you had a pocket full of money. And that's what this community had was so much prosperity. It was amazing. There was so much to do and so much opportunity mm -hmm. that this world was just, this was just the beginning. Right. And we were shown by Mr. Willie, right. and I, I can remember all of his lessons to this mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. Now, he later, my brother married his, his daughter, mm -hmm. Esther Woods. Right. which became Coy's wife. Right. There we were, were getting closer and closer to each other, mm -hmm. intertwining with each other's family. The other families were uh, Mr. Hoppy Burnett. His, uh, his personality was, was more of a street person. Mm -hmm. He was an outgoing, flamboyant <laughs> uh, man that, mm -hmm. that basically was more of a, a partier than anything, but he had a beautiful wife, I mean, Miss Ivory Lee. They were very influential mm -hmm. uh, with the children because Mr. Hoppy was a, he was a, a very nice man, although he was really flamboyant, you know, <laughs> but he was very, him and Mr. Willie stayed next door to each other and they would, uh, they would always have these little titties about uh, certain things and <laughs> conversations and, you know, so it, that, that taught us a whole lot too. We'd sit there and listen to them argue about little, little things that were not necessary <laughs> or, or really serious. That was pretty much the street. Now the whole community had so many other nuances because it was like our town, our village. It had all its good and its vices. Right. So we had to, to learn how life and, uh, is going to be like. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be all, all church. Right. It's not going to be all roses, you know. That's what our parents wanted to tell us that. But, mm -hmm. but for the most part, there were other activities in the community right. that were negative. But on the other side of the street, there was a restaurant called Miss Mary's Restaurant. Right. Best hamburgers in town. <laughs> you could get a 15-cent hamburger all day long. She loved that. We'd yeah. be in there, all of us, there'd be so many children. We'd all hit the door at the same time and we'd buy us a dollar's worth of hamburgers. And then she had a jukebox and a, and a pinball machine in there. Okay. And so this was kind of the hangout for the mm -hmm. kids and it was also a legitimate restaurant. Right. What was your family's role in the community, the okay. Payne family? Amen. Being the, the last of nine, they were much more older than I was and it's four years probably between each of us, almost. Uh, but uh, my family, uh, my, as you know, Coy went on to be a teacher. And I had, had told you about how Chandler has always been a progressive place to be. My, my sister, which went to Sister Mari, who went to be a nurse, she worked at the pharmacy. Uh, my brother, Jail, who went on as, into the Air Force, he worked for the newspaper. Uh, everybody had opportunity, and, and uh, after we got bored with, with field work, 
there was opportunity in the city, in, the, in downtown Chandler. Mm -hmm. There were certain places that, that we did not go. There was one little restaurant up on Arizona called the Cozy Cafe. They had some of the best sandwiches in the world. Mm -hmm. So people who were knew about that in the community uh, wanted some good food, they would pay a child to go to the back door and tell them what you want. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't let us in. They wouldn't let us come in, but we had to go to the back door and they would uh, fix the sandwich and give it to us and we'd take it back to whoever bought it. Mm -hmm. There were other places that black people could not go. We knew that. Mm -hmm. So no one really pushed that envelope. Right. You're not welcome, so don't go. Right. One of the biggest things that we had though for our entertainment was that there was a, a lady who owned the, the movie theater. Mm -hmm named Mrs. Woods. There used to be two uh, movie theaters okay. in Chandler. One was for black people and the other one was for white people. Mm -hmm. The one for the black people or the minorities burned down. Mm. Now we didn't have a movie place to go. So Mrs. Woods being a, a progressive white person, she opened the doors of her theater. And that was what we would do on Sunday after church. And uh, so after you attended church right here at mm -hmm. Mount Olive. After, after church, first thing we do, go to Mama's and I went to church. Now I need to go, I want to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. And so that was our little activity. And all the kids would be walking from the community, mm -hmm. would go to see a movie. The church was very influential. Uh, it was really another activity that we had that had kept our time positive mm -hmm. that gave us some life lessons and so that was part of our, our, our heritage and our growing up and our, our mentoring in the village. Chandler was becoming modern and I must say that Chandler never has tried to restrict us from advancement mm -hmm. including my, my brothers and sisters including my older brother Coy who went on to ASU graduated and became a teacher and he became the mayor the first black mayor uh, in the state of Arizona. In the state. This city, uh, this town has just prepared me to be the best I can be. So I've always had a fondness for this community mm -hmm. and for the home that was given and the nurturing and the love. This is where my heart is. Mm. Wow, mm -hmm. that's wonderful. And it says a lot about the community mm -hmm. um, and when you want to come back to after mm -hmm. After all that you've seen and done, you want to come back to yes. where your roots are and mm -hmm. so and, and continue to be part of the legacy that your family has been in this community. So mm -hmm. glad to have you back. <laughs> well, definitely. Thank you. Yeah. And it's good to be back home. It really is. Thank you for listening to this episode of Conversations with Historic Black Families. We want to thank Charles Payne and Erica Maxwell for sitting down and documenting a part of Chandler's history. Our office looks forward to more conversations in the future. For more information about this and many other diversity, equity, and inclusion related projects, please visit chandleraz.gov forward slash diversity.